Welcome to the Zanbergen Report, where wealth strategies and investment wisdom collide, featuring your distinguished host and certified financial planner, Bart Zanbergen. Welcome to the Zanbergen Report, a showcase for wealth strategies and investment wisdom that's essential for our evolving world. Paul, it's a real special day. It's a special day in the neighborhood? It's a special day because I've, <laughs> I've brought in a guest, good friend of mine, yes. that is going toe-to-toe with your wardrobe today. Uh, Heck yeah. We got he hoodie, is. jeans. He's not doing the cargo pants. I, I, doing the car- I tried to I get him to even sit up. He would he was like kick back. Yeah, I'm okay, man. Yeah. <laughs> I did not wear sandals. <laughs> but what do you call those are the, like the most comfortable shoes in the world, right? What are those yeah. called? Allbirds. Allbirds, that's right. Oh. That's right. So I may um, have to check those out. Paul, yeah, Paul's gonna be wearing Allbirds. <laughs> so our very special guest today is a good friend of mine, Matt Stevens. His company is Aliva. We're gonna talk more about that. But what I really want to talk about is, um, in addition to your company, just how you got to where you are today. You are a young man. Uh, can I say millennial? Is that okay oh, yeah. to say that? Is that yeah, an acceptable it. term? Own it. Okay. <laughs> Who has already created and sold a tech company, started another tech company, an amazing family. He started when he was six, he said. He said he was <laughs> yeah. first company. Yeah. Sold the first one when he was 12. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, great dad, great husband, surf, gym, yoga, the whole deal. So I want to know your story. Yeah. Um, so went to school uh, up in Utah and um, studied public relations. And my dad, growing up in the Bay Area, um, actually worked in tech. He worked in uh, sales in Silicon Valley, ran a large companies from a sales perspective and uh traveled all the time swore i'd never do anything like that because i never saw him yeah (laughs) and uh and then um got married in college and then my wife had a sweet gig down here um because she had interned they're like yeah we want you come down so when i graduated followed her down here for her job and uh kind of connected with a uh a young entrepreneur older than me i was in my early mid 20s he was uh in his early 30s and was uh, start had been working on a software platform for home care and home health care basically elderly people that want to stay in their homes instead of going to a nursing home mm-hmm. um and he was like hey will you help me like start this and get it off the ground and um so joined up with him and right out of college no experience and built this company from nothing with him uh and sold it uh about four years later. Can I just point out one thing here? I listen to conversations all day, and the millennials all start like this. When, when you and I were in college, Bart, we were looking for a career. Yeah. He's looking for a sweet gig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And actually, I think another takeaway is actually you're in technology, and you graduated college. Because most of you start, yes. and I'm like, hey, I got a sweet deal. I'm going to go do this. Yeah. I don't need to finish. Yeah, no. Okay, all right. Yeah, I did. Now, looking back, I kind of am like, why did I stay? I should have left. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you know, there are definitely different things that I think education is super important for, right? Um, different, you know, like what you do. I, if, you know, someone who's going right. to be managing my money, I want to make sure they're educated, <laughs> certified, and know what they're doing. Um, you know, but sometimes in entrepreneurship, especially in tech, it's more just experience you've gained. Sure. It's harder to learn that stuff in the classroom, and yeah, so yeah. 
Um, super cool. So, um, all right. So it got there. You sold the company. Did you take a break? Did you travel the world or just have more kids and uh, <laughs> start another company? Yeah, no. So we sold the company in 2014 and uh, started working under contract for the company. We, we sold to this larger tech company. Uh, and so we started working for that company under contract for two years. And so at about the year mark of that two years, uh, I looked at uh, my partner and another one who came shortly after me. We were kind of the three partners in that business. We looked at each other and we're like, we hate this. We feel like we're working for the man. Like We need to, you know, we can't help and do what we want. There's too much red tape. Uh, this is driving us crazy. Let's look for our next gig. Yeah. And, uh, and so, sweet gig. Sweet gig. Sorry, Just our next gig. sweet gig. Yeah. So we started researching. We researched, uh, funny enough, all different types of markets. We researched janitorial services. Wow. Like, you know, what do janitorial companies need from software? What do skilled nursing facilities need? What do, you know, different types of businesses need? You know, we had a, a our background was in operations uh, from a software perspective and healthcare. And so, but we looked outside too, construction, you know, all sorts of different things. And we ended up, um, our, our office was next to this, um, treatment center that had started while we were there and and addiction they focused on addiction treatment and it just started growing they took over the first floor then the second floor then the third floor and we're like what is this and we, so we started looking into it and around that time actually one of my best friend's sons overdosed mm. and he went um his his uh my best friend he he called me from the hospital uh, they'd been there about an hour he said hey my son overdosed can you please come and uh, and help us and so i drove down there him and his wife you know really struggling in intensive care hooked up in the icu um cords everywhere uh unconscious looked you know not good doctors gave him a five percent chance to live and i'm just like how did this happen mm. i didn't even know he was in treatment they didn't yeah. tell me wow. right and so uh he had been out of uh rehab for about two days Wow. And apparently this is very common, right? Yeah. Because when you leave treatment, a lot of times when you go to take drugs soon after treatment, you just go to whatever you remember taking before. At the high, and, like meaning yes, a high level. At the high level of tolerance. Okay. Yeah. And so now when you take mm -hmm. that without that tolerance, yeah. you OD. Yeah. And so I was helping them trying to decide if he pulled through what they would do, how they would handle it. Would they send him back to rehab? Where would they, you know, there's a lot of conflicting information out there. It's kind of difficult to understand, you know, what is, you know, good, what's not, what's ethical, what's not. And, um, and, uh, that's kind of what brought me really into this space. Wow. Wow. So one thing led to another. You talk to your partners and say, hey, this looks, there seems to be a need in this space. Yes. Obviously, you did some research. And it turns out, I know you and I have had some offline conversations about this. And there's a there's a huge need, right? Yeah, huge. Yeah. Monumental. And uh, we, we started interviewing treatment centers, learning about what their problems were, started looking at what software is available to them. And the first thing we realized was that none of the software out there had anything to do with connecting to the patients most of the patients in treatment are millennials or younger right mm -hmm. because they die off right? <laughs> if they, you know yeah. it's like it, you're either going to get clean and live yeah. or you're Just, probably going to die yeah and so um most of the people in treatment are this younger generation my age and younger and 
they expect technology to be part of their lives. And and no point as part of their treatment or post-treatment is technology enabling them, and the treatment centers are not being reimbursed to stay with these patients after care, like my friend, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, son, who, who was not kept up with, right? Now, that was only two days, but obviously a lot can happen, right? Yeah. And so if we could provide a way to connect the technology used to build insurance and manage the operations of the business, which we're already kind of, you know, experts in, yeah. and figure out a way to connect that to the actual patients receiving the care yeah. so that there is this, we, we believe connection is the opposite of addiction, right? Mm. And so connecting with people in a way that doesn't put as much burden financially on the treatment center and allows that connection to be a, as much, you know, s- some more automation there, an easy way to kind of connect and, and contact and, and kind of pop-ups and reminders and alerts and things like that uh can we save some lives doing this and so that's kind of what we've been doing can i emphasize one thing we've had a lot of on a serious note with a lot of people doing shows about addiction it seems to be an ever-growing part of our society here and one of the things that becomes clear is people go to it it's hard to get them to go into a treatment program but once they're there many of these treatment programs work they help these people but they don't stay with it because they discharge them. And they go right back to the same crowd, same lifestyle, same impulses, whatever, and they're right back to where they started again. So I think that's critical to have some connection once you get out of treatment to somehow and maybe join a support group in the AAs of the world. But I never thought a technology could be your friend, a connection, and help you. But <laughs> maybe it is. So it seems in your business... Um putting your business hat on now there's there's from just this conversation there's two major components one there is the the business slash technology side which as you indicate you're already an expert in you can take that you can throw it in the construction field you got to go in the nur- you know nursing home whatever right trucking fields whatever i'm sure there's some tweaks here and there yeah but then the other side is really the i don't know less business more emotional slash people side, right? Really just like, Hey, what area can I make a difference? And, th- and that's my takeaway from this is like, okay, technology is great and that's cool. All what you're doing, but you're making a difference. And that I think is really cool. That's probably the millennial in me, right? Yeah. If you notice a lot of millennials these days as larger corporations are trying to figure out ways to, you know, cause they make up the majority of the workforce. How do we motivate them? How do we keep them engaged? How do we incentivize them? Because money isn't, for millennials is not the first motivator right um it's cause yeah right and so we felt that this could be our cause and would be a a culture we could build around this cause and it would be something that our employees and team could really get behind and and work on something meaningful yeah are you um growing from an employee standpoint is that a fast growth or i know you have contract uh programmers right um but or no? We have one. Most oh, of them it. are all full-time. Oh, they're full-time. Yeah. Okay. Our employees, we haven't been growing. We, we've we've grown probably our employee and infrastructure the this year, the first half of the year, a lot. And now we're in kind of setup for infra- the infrastructure uh, setup, and yeah. now it's we can grow with what we have. Yeah. Um, I, you know, one of the big—we laugh at this, you and I, before, like, big differences, because I am very um, casual, right? And very, like— <laughs> You know, kind of a penny pincher, you know, <laughs> like I like being friends with you because it introduces me to the finer things in life that I don't really, you know, naturally go after. Um, and Ooh. so, uh, you know, so I'm much more of like, 
I want to, I, I don't want to just grow, grow, grow till you implode or take over the world. Yeah. I'm much more of, I want to responsibly grow. I yeah. want to be able to make more money than I spend, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which as a financial planner, of course. you are, uh, it's that's right up ears. your alley, right? To my ears. Um, it reminds me that there's a really funny SNL um, skit about this where uh, I think it's Amy Poehler is there and she has a little booklet called uh secrets to financial success and (laughs) and it's one page and the one page is make more money than you spend and they have literally a 10 minute skit about about trying to like convince these people that all you have to do is make more money than you spend and they don't get it they're like well what if I want something and it costs more than what I have. Can I get it? No. <laughs> you know, sadly, that is the real world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, what are all of your employees millennials? We have no. We have we have three employees that are in their forties or fifties. Okay. So, but of most of them, we have about eighteen employees. Yeah. Everybody else is millennial. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Paul, you'll get a kick out of this because you know Letitia really well. So, um, one of the great things, many great things about Matt, but one of them is he's um, great in leadership, and you put together that mastermind mm-hmm. group that we get together occasionally. And I, the one takeaway I took was, you know, the, the um, we call it the you call it the stand up, right? So every morning you your mm-hmm. five minute stand up. So I walked into the office, and then we would have meetings. We didn't, I didn't call them stand ups. We had different types of meetings, and I like, okay. My team, we're doing, uh, we're going to stand up every morning. And Letitia, whose husband is in technology, she's like, that is a millennial technology term, and we don't do that here in finance. I'm like, so uh, I go, I really dig the concept, and we're doing a five minute stand up. So we yes. do it every day. I love it. It's great. It's yeah. just like everyone just can be, hey, what problems am I focused on today? What did I do yesterday? What am I going to be focusing on today? Just yeah. focuses everybody. Yeah. It's five minutes. It's not micromanaging, it's yeah. just accountability so yeah. that everyone is in line and that we can use the collective group think of people on that call or in that room to be like, hey, can I help you? Or, offer some advice or yeah. I've done that before. I've encountered that before. Right. Yeah. So what have you found to be your biggest challenges in, in running the business? Either this one or your last one? I think execution for most businesses. Um, ideas are kind of a dime a dozen. Like it's mm. pretty easy. I think to come up with good business ideas. I think there's way more good business ideas than there are people that can actually execute those ideas. And I found that the execution is the hardest part for me. It's way easier to set up kind of like what I talked about the first half of this year, setting up the infrastructure, getting the right people in place, getting the technology kind of in place, but then actually executing off that um, plan, whatever the business is. And, and actually, and I think most entrepreneurs, if they really thought about it, would agree with it. That the strategy, all that stuff is important, crazy important. You need to think about it. But most people can figure that out with, you know, help and masterminds and things like that. Like you can get what you need. But the actual doing of it, you know, we have a friend, Adrian Hernandez, right? Uh I follow him on Instagram. He's a realtor in the area. He's been on the show. Oh, he has. Oh, awesome. I didn't know. Um, And Adrian uh, talks a lot about on his Instagram posts as a realtor. I've I've never been one. I don't really know much about it. But he always will post every once in a while, like, him just making calls, right? Just the execution of doing the work behind the strategy that you've built and the infrastructure you built is sometimes the hardest thing. Yeah. How about um, that, which is totally true. And I think that not just in your technology business, that that's just in in all businesses. Yeah. but uh, um, managing the employees and, and um, 
is are is managing millennials a challenge or are you just like uh, these are just like my my bros here i know no it's hard it's for sure hard right because everybody has different everybody's motivated by different things there was an experience i had with one of our very first employees who i'm very close with now and she will like validate this in a second too she feels the same way but when we when we first brought her on uh we just clashed like we had a really hard time understanding each other and i would like expect things and communicate that in a way that did not work for her and uh and finally i went to my business partner steve who you know and i was and i would say steve i'm not figuring this out how can i make this work like what am i missing and he's like you don't understand what motivates her she's not motivated by money or or timelines or uh growth she's motivated by feeling important and just feeling that that she's doing a good job and is valued and if you can unlock that with her then she'll she'll be the best employee you've ever had and literally the next day i just started implementing that and it was like night and day immediate switch (laughs) and so i think sometimes it's just figuring figuring out that not everybody's motivated by the same things yeah. and trying to taking the time to dissect what that is so you yeah. can better work with so it. how do you think steve figured that out there are there are like personality assessment tests like mm-hmm. colby's comes to the top of my head mm-hmm. and i have a, i got a friend in my business that he lives and dies by the colby test anyone he talks to any new client he's going to take anyone he wants to take on as employee colby test and he puts them in the box and he knows mm-hmm. how to address them do you guys do that or was steve just like he's just intuitive and he's just intuitive i think uh i wish i wasn't as intuitive as him with people you know uh, he's much better than me at that and so i go to him a lot you know if i didn't have him then i think i would need to use more of that he's just really good at at being uh friends with people and people opening up to him in a way that i just can't get people to open up to me in that way um without uh, earning it by knowing what motivates them and helping to foster that. And yeah. so once he tells me what that is, then I can do it. I can execute on it. Yeah. But uh, but I'm not as good as deci- deciphering it. And that's just really lucky that I have a partner like that that can help me there. Yeah. But um, but not everyone does, right? Yeah. One of the things I remember um, at a couple of our, of our masterminds, because there's other technology guys there, um, I, you know, the perception was technology was... Um, Kind of like Silicon Valley, right? Which, by the way, do you like watch that show? I have. I've watched the first couple seasons. All right? Did, yeah. Is it? It is very similar in the early days, right? Like yeah. when you before you have any clients, when you're building the software, those first yeah. two seasons were spot on. It was yeah. hilarious. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty funny. But how really systematic your business really is, because you know you come the concept you, and then we talked about you guys talked about the design and then the implementation of the design and the mm-hmm. testing and the integration. So it really just is a business, just happens to be software. Well, that's the best part about software. That's why software companies are valued so well and so successful, and some of the richest people in the world, you know, sure, who are part of software. Yeah. It's because it's the most scalable resource mankind has ever created. Right? I can create one piece of code and create something that I can disseminate to everyone for almost zero cost. Mm. And so um, being it, but but in order to do that, you have to execute on all those little steps to make it scalable, to make it work, to make it be easy to use. Like there's yeah. just so much behind that, but technology, you know, it's different than, you know, wine <laughs> or, you know, some yeah. other type of resource or commodity, you know, it's yeah. kind of unique that way. Yeah. What would you say... Um, 
would be a, a great. I mean, obviously, you had a real great success with your first company, but like even little successes. What 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 are your little stepping stone successes that you see? Um, I think when we see uh, our customers like having success or, or meeting customers and hearing their stories, um, it's just that that's kind of really where I think we get those wins. Um, our uh, we had the the employee that I was talking about that I struck, she won't mind me sharing her name, Erica. She, um, she went to one of our, uh, customers locations in Montana <laughs> and they are a school for young adolescent women, kind of, I think 13 to 18 years old that are struggling, uh, could be addiction, could be mental health concerns and they're struggling mm-hmm. at home and in school. And so it's kind of like a boarding school, but there's a therapeutic component okay. where they do therapy and stuff there yeah. and they use our software. Yeah. And uh, the owner of that company brought Erica up in front of, I think it was maybe 30 girls, all 13 to 18 wide eyed looking at Erica, you know, yeah. in her early 30s, successful businesswoman coming here to, to you know, help train them on how to use our software. And he got up and... Uh, presented Erica to all these girls and said, this is Erica. She is here to help us better help you. And and I want you guys to give a round of applause and if you have any questions. And so she got to talk to these kids for, you know, 30 minutes. And she when she told me this story, she was crying, right? And it was just so impactful. And to me, those are the big wins. Yeah. When you're in a space, you know, whatever it is you do when you have that passion for it and you get to see that payoff by... By someone that's using something that you created out of nothing. Yeah, that's like there's nothing cooler than that. That is awesome. That's awesome. You know, one of the things I really respect about you is that you seem to be so balanced. I mean, you you're running a successful company, and I know you work hard at that. Um, I see you at the gym every morning, most mornings. If you're not surfing, uh, you're doing your yoga, your weightlifting, family. I know you're, you're quite the family guy. How important is that in your in your life? Yeah, I mean, like. I mean, you know, we talk about our daughters all the time together. I mean, your kids, your spouse, I mean, that's kind of what what it's all about, right? And yeah. uh, that's what brings me... I mean, that's why I do what I do, right? You know, it's because I want to be able to spend more time with them down yeah. the road, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> you know, right. and create experiences for us. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I really enjoy community. So mm-hmm. there's my family community. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've I have a a gym community because sure. I'm I'm an extrovert. So it like right. I thrive off connections with others. Like yeah. when I see you at the gym or in yoga or whatever we're doing together, yeah. uh, master like it enlivens me. Like yeah. you know if I I have friends that work at like a home gym. Never. I wouldn't be able to do it because... I'm with you. I, I mean, you see, I like to talk to people. I like to engage. I like yeah. that connection, and that's really what yeah. helps me to perform at a better level. Yeah. That's really why, you know, I started wanted to start any company was because I wanted to be able to, like, pick people that I wanted to be with yeah. and be able to create, like, this teamwork and sense of community together. Yeah. So I get that in my company. I get that in my gym. I get that from church. I get that from school from my family, uh, from my friends. And, and I try and build that, that community. And, yeah. and, and he, he doesn't realize if he just joined another community, the Zanbergen report Heck podcast yeah. community. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. He's tuned in now. He's part of this uh, virtual tribe uh, that uh, tunes in and talks and connects with everybody here. Yeah, That's right. And the, um, one of the tribes that he did mention and Paul, I know you've made a point of this before, but I mean, how many of my guests are actually people that I see at 5 o'clock in the morning? I was going to bring that up. Yeah. I, it, You know, uh, we do a lot of business shows here. 
and people are always trying to figure out in Orange County, where do you connect with people? We don't have that kind of central place where everybody goes to meet and connect. There's some groups in different industries and whatnot, but it's very diverse, very spread out. There isn't a lot of connection here in this county, unfortunately, for those in the entrepreneurial community, except at the gym. That's where I'm going. <laughs> I got the secret spot here. It's not at the and Center Club or something. It's a specific first, time, though. Yeah, I was going to say, first of all, don't bash the Center Club. Because they're Center not Club's gonna, great. They're I know you were on like the that. board and all that stuff. Right? Um, but secondly, it's not, just, it's not the gym. We go to an amazing gym. It's Lifetime Fitness. I'll just say it. It's a national gym. Um, but if you go at 5 in the afternoon, it's different than 5 in the morning. Yeah. Mm. Or even 7 or 8, yeah. right? Yeah. Because there's less people, and the people that are there are hyper successful and focused. I mean, yeah. people don't get up and go to the gym at That's 5 right. if they're not. <laughs> special people they're not driven ambitious um can i emphasize that because i've been listening i'm a little bit older than you guys here a lot older than a couple of people in this room and (laughs) and i have you know listened and tracked for years stories of entrepreneurs and people coming on these shows and other things and the one common thread is they get up early the really go get the. I'm not saying every go getter does this, but if if you talk to a lot of the people who are extremely successful, years and years ago, I remember reading David Geffen, you know Geffen Records and everything, yeah. and he started uh, in the mailroom at William Morris, and everybody got in at seven. He said if they got there at seven, I got there at five. You know, I think of my own father who became an executive of Chrysler Corporation, always the first one at the office there. That notion of being the first, what. I don't know if that's born in you guys or if that's something you acquire, but that's a trait I never hear anybody talk about. And it seems to be a common thread running through successful entrepreneurs. They don't get up at the normal time. They get a jump on the day and start early. I wasn't always like that, right? I mean, I just started coming, getting up that early maybe 15 months ago. So it hasn't been that long for me, but it's made... You're still young. Got- <laughs> yeah, it, it's been a crazy yeah. difference yeah. in my life for yeah. me. Like, I truly, like, really believe in it now. Yeah. Whether it's getting up to go surfing, which I've been doing a lot the last four months, and granted, you've been giving me a lot of crap for it, but that, which is rightfully so, because I've lost a lot of muscle, because all I'm doing is surfing and going to yoga, but I'm really happy right now, yeah. and, and I'm doing it early, and it just is such a great way to start the day, because you've already accomplished something, yeah. right? By the time you finish whatever that activity is in the morning, you've already accomplished something. It's really hard for me to like go to work and then try and go to the gym after. It's hard to be motivated, because you've already put in a lot of work. When I was yeah. younger, the, it was the men who stayed late. You know, it was the guys who were there at nine o'clock at night. That was the Wall Street, uh, Wolf of Wall Street mentality. It wasn't that you started at four, so you stayed till ten or nine or whatever. Here, it seems to have shifted. Well, what get and you know, it'd be interesting that you say that, Paul, that um, to do some sort of a study, and I'm sure they they've been done. But I would go up as far as to say nine out of ten, you know, what we would call successful people, whatever your definition of that is, just get up early and, and do their thing. But to your point, Paul, and one of the reasons that I started working out early or getting up early, which was now been about 40 years ago, is that you never know what the end of the day is going to be like. You know, what kind of curveball, especially if you're, right. in, if you're in business, right? right? Um, and I wanted to make sure I was home at a you know, decent hour for my kids. I didn't want to you know, work out from 5 to 7 and not see my kids later. So it just all pointed to you. And, getting and I think early. that's the key of what you're both talking about here. You do this so that you can get home at a decent hour and see your family. He, he was mentioning his dad was his sales executive for some software thing he never saw. That was my dad. I never saw him. My dad didn't just start early. He got home at 
eight o'clock every night or whatever or later because uh, that was you, you you stayed until you got all your work done you stayed late and you worked weekends you guys are doing in the reverse you're starting early so you can have a decent home life well i mean we are lucky that we have you know back to technology right That's you true. know like you know that. putting it back on you know my dad and and others that have gone before, right? They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have, you know, they needed to be at the office because that's where work got done. Once you yeah. came home, you were unplugged, right? And so we do have that benefit. But but I do think it's really interesting because you, you're right when you say that about you never know what will happen at the end of the day. And if you're a family pr- person, yeah. right, you want to put family first, you need like what when are you going to find that time to do some of that self-care you need right so we just do it while they're asleep right. <laughs> right? and that's um and i i don't i don't never say this in a flippant way but people will often say well i don't have the time i don't have the time to do that and a lot of times it's about working out somehow that subject mm-hmm. comes up i'm like well turns out we all have 24 hours a day and it's mm-hmm. what you want to do with it you know i mean there's not much you can do um at four in the morning other than work out i mean you could meditate or you know something like that which people do which are great surf but just get up early. It's awesome. Get up before everyone else. My wife calls me a gym snob now because I get, or no, not a gym snob. A better phrase would be like an early morning snob, right? Uh-oh. Where she's just like, she gives me crap sometimes that, oh, you get up so early and you, and you know, you know, for us, we have kids. So like we both couldn't do it at the same time, right? Yeah. I just happened to think of it first. Yeah. So <laughs> now I get it. I've locked it in. That's. <laughs> Um, okay, we're actually running out of time, so I want to make sure I get this in. Um, one of my favorite things to do, and the honor I have, is asking my guests their final, the final thought question, and that is your ultimate lesson learned. And you can see either over your career, over your life, just being a dad. It's getting up early. We just learned it. <laughs> that was definitely a big one. I'd say my ultimate lesson that I've learned is um, patience. Uh, as a millennial, which we've talked a lot about, agnosium at this podcast, would be uh, that I, as millennials, we're not patient. We're used to everything instantaneous. Mm. Amazon Prime, yeah. you know, things on your smartphone, you can get an answer to any question, right? Google killed my marriage when it came out because all of a sudden I wasn't right all the time. My wife's right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so we can get all these things instantaneously. And, um, and so uh, for me, especially running a business, it takes a lot of time. Right. It takes a it takes a any anything you want to accomplish, whether it's in fitness, whether it's in business, whether it's in family, it takes time and it takes consistent time. My word for the year is consistency because it's something I every morning I use it as like a mantra. Mm. Um, and it's because I, I struggle with that. Right. I struggle with being consistent effort. I'm really good at a lot of effort really close together and yeah. then just like peel off. And having that consistent effort over and over again uh, over a long period of time, I think, is the key to success in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. And so that's kind of, I would say, my biggest lesson. Now, it's not a lesson that I've fully implemented to the level I want to yet, but yeah. it's one that I've recognized that I'm trying to apply. And I think that's the most important. That does not come easy. That is, It takes practice and, and, and practice and time. So yeah. you're, you're definitely on your way. And especially, we already talked about it, so we're committed to the contest January 1st. Heck yes. All right. I need this. So, um, What is the contest? So the contest is, we've got our group of, of our, our uh, early, boys, risers. early risers, where it's going to be the largest percent of body fat lost 
for the first 60 days, so January through the end of February. You don't know how <laughs> excited I am for this. I need it, and I'm in the worst spot I've been in in a long time, See, so I feel like I have a chance. I'd want to cheat. I'd want to eat, like, Fritos and, and uh, cupcakes. I've been doing are, it. So just to get fat real quickly so I could lose it real quick. Oh, there's a couple of the guys in the group that are already doing that. Yeah, Paul, <laughs> so, I put in that work, so it's good. Now it's just payoff time. There you go. All right, All right before we close up, um, uh, Matt, how can anyone reach you, learn more about you, your business? Yeah, uh, our website, helloaliva.com. It's H-E-L-L-O-A-L-L-E-V-A.com. Check us out there. Contact us if you have any questions, any ways you'd like to get involved or help uh, in the addiction world. We're connected to a lot of different um, nonprofits and, and people yeah. doing good work. Or if you have anyone that's in need, of course, we'd be happy to point you in the direction of people that we trust and know personally that can yeah. help and do a good job. That's awesome. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time yeah. to come in. This is really awesome, Matt. Yeah. Really, really good. Thanks, everyone, who, who has tuned in, and we look forward to being in studio next week. Cheers. Tune in next week for the latest edition of the Zanbergen Report, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Catch up on our recent shows by visiting bartzanbergen.podbean.com. The Zanbergen Report is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Interested in being a featured guest on our show or have a question you'd like to hear us answer? Email podcast at bartzanbergen.com. Bart A. Zanbergen, CFP, and Letitia Burbaum, AIF, are registered investment advisors with Optivist, Inc., and registered representatives with Gramercy Securities, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advisory services are offered by Optivist, Inc., under SEC registration.